Welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. I'm your host, Bo Kennedy. Join us as we go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. Hey there, believers. I'm going to do things a little bit different this time. It's me and my dad sitting out here on the back patio. We've got a little fire pit going, drinking a few beers, and we're just going to talk and see where the conversation leads. But uh, it's going to be mainly paranormal stuff, I guarantee that. I'm going to pull some stories out of dad. It might be like pulling teeth, but we're going to do it. So here we go. Now we've got a third man in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we start? Let's start with your younger days. You told me about seeing something when you were up in the up in the holler. Yeah. And well, I guess this I consider it a UFO. I I don't really know what else to call it. When I was probably 10, 12 years old. Me and a couple of my buddies, my cousin was one of them, uh, we're riding our bikes up and down the hollow where we live. And it was just a normal night, you know. We got up to the head of the hollow and was going to turn around and come back. And between us and the house looked like a perfect sphere, a ball of fire hanging right in the sky, just a tad bit higher than the telephone pole. I mean, it was low. Did it look like actual flames? It it looked like a ball of fire. It looked like flame. There was nothing hanging down from it. There was nothing. It was not hanging from anything. It was just there. And it wasn't moving. And how big was it? About the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. So, I get all excited thinking it's a flying saucer. So, we head down and we're yelling at the top of our lungs, you know, for everybody in the community to come out and look at this. All right. Now, this is like in the 60s? Yeah. Late 60s? Yeah. I'd say so. Uh, As I start getting closer to it, then, of course, my childish imagination is like, well, what if this thing shoots a laser beam <laughs> and gets me before I, you know, 
but it didn't. So we rode past it, and it, and it hung right there. It's It stayed right there. So like I said, we're screaming like crazy, and I beat on the door, and Mom and Dad were both home. And I told them there was a UFO out here. <laughs> and they came out and looked at it, and they had no explanation. My dad even got a pair of binoculars and looked at it. And it just looked like a ball of fire. Well, then it rose up in the air, probably another 50 foot, and then slowly traveled off over top of the mountain and vanished. Which way did it go? Toward Logan. Toward Logan. So it would go, if you go over that mountain and down the other side, that'd be Route 44. That would be... Yuma camp. Okay. And that's where I've had, in just a few podcasts I've done, I've had several stories from myself and from somebody else talking about that area, that same hillside, that same mountain. It's a strange place. It is. Now, what other, while you're young, we're, I'm going to do this chronologically. I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot happen when I was young, when I was little. How old were you when you had the uh, that nighttime visitor? I was in the Air Force. Were you really? Yeah, me and okay. your mom were married and, and uh, living in a, uh, they call it an efficiency apartment. Right. It was, it was one room and a bathroom. It you was know. the hood. <laughs> Probably right outside of base. Yeah. That's how it is. Every, every every Air Force base there is. It's, yeah. All right. Well, that was a really strange situation there. We worked different hours. I, I was going to, to school, to tech school, and your mom was working as a receptionist at a dentist office. And where are you all? Is this in Texas? It's in Texas, San Angelo, Texas. Okay. And like I said, the there was really just one room plus a bathroom in this in this apartment, and uh, we were laying in bed one morning, probably, gosh, I guess it was two, three, maybe four o'clock in the morning, and for some reason I opened my eyes, and I could see a shadow figure, but as soon as I opened my eyes, it like it shined a light right in my face and said close your eyes and go to sleep you heard this i heard it it yeah there was a physical voice that said you know it was it wasn't like in your head no, in a dream no this is not in my head so like you know <laughs> so i closed my eyes <laughs> of course why not listen to it but as soon as i closed my eyes i started thinking what the hell? Somebody in my house going to tell me, you know. Right. So I tried to open my eyes and couldn't. I tried to get up and I couldn't. I couldn't even ball my fist up. I was totally paralyzed. And I struggled and struggled until finally, when I came out of it, I leaped completely 
out of the bed. I landed three foot from the from the bed in the floor. Now, how long did it take you to come out of it? I have no idea. The, the struggle seemed like it went on for 10 minutes, but I'm sure it didn't. Right. But there was no one there. So, of course, I turn on every light in the apartment. The door's locked from the inside. There's nobody in there but us. Would you call that sleep paralysis? Or would you say it was something else? Like an actual... Uh, I wouldn't call it sleep paralysis because... It was physical. It was physical. I woke up. And then it told me to lay back, close my eyes, and go to sleep. And as soon as I closed my eyes and, and thought, well, hell no, then I couldn't move. Mm. And believe me, I tried. Um, so when you couldn't move, was it on you? I don't know if it was on. I couldn't feel anything on me. I just could not, could not move. As a matter of fact, thinking back on it, I don't really think I could even take a good breath. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I was locked up. <laughs> Had you been doing anything that you shouldn't have been doing? No. Like no, Ouija boards and... No. No, I've never believed in playing with a Ouija board. Was the apartment haunted? That you know, I mean, was there any other incidents that happened there? No other incidents at all. Now, like I said, we lived in a, in in the basement in a little efficiency. Right. That was kind of hard to explain away. Yeah. Like, could it have been... An abduction attempt. You, I don't you know. know. Could it have been like the classic, you know, because people say the greys will tell them, stay calm, everything's okay, just go back to sleep. Right. I didn't think of that at the time. Yeah. Because when I opened my eyes the first time and saw the shadow figure, it was no little gray. What it looked like. It, it was... Because you're big. You're a big guy. You were... It was every bit as big or not bigger than me. It, it looked like a big man. But nobody touched you. Soon as I saw the shadow figure, and I could see it raise its arm even, the light hits me right in the eyes, and I'm totally blinded by the light. And it says, lay back, close your eyes, and go to sleep. And I just, you know, you, you wake up, you're groggy anyway, so I just yeah. closed my eyes and then thought, no. Right. And then I was paralyzed. I told people about it at work or at, at the school. Yeah. And they all said, oh, you just had a nightmare. But that was no nightmare. You were awake. I was awake. Now, did mom wake up? Yeah, when I jumped out of bed. When you jumped out of bed? <laughs> she woke up. Wow. Well, 
since you're on the uh, Air Force days, yeah, you know where I'm going. NSA. NSA. I want you to tell the story. Okay. Full detail. Full. Full disclosure, right here. Okay. When I was in the Air Force, I was trained to be a radio communications analyst. That was the job field that I selected. And that was the tech school I was in when that incident happened. Well, when I got out of tech school, they tell me that I'm going to work at NSA at Fort Meade, Maryland. When I get to Fort Meade, Maryland, they tell me that I'm going to be a computer systems analyst, not the radio communications analyst that I had been trained to do. Okay. So that was fine. I worked in an office called NSOC. What does that stand for? Stands for National SIGINT Operations Center, which we got every signal, every teletype from any base in the United, in, in the world came through my office. Every report that was ever written about anything came across my desk. So it was a surveillance program. It was the military communication. <laughs> Air Force, Army, Marines, and civilians did all. And what my job was, was when these reports came in about anything, it could be troop rotation, you know, anything. Russia was a big deal then, you know. Right. Uh, the report came through my computer. I would look at it, figure out who it was supposed to go to, print copies of it, and put it in the bins of the people that were supposed to receive it. A little, little off the subject, we were informed many times that the Russians had nuclear submarines right off the coast of Cuba pointed toward the United States. Mm. The news media knew nothing about it. We would go on high alert because from, hell, that's less than 100 miles off of Florida coast. Right. Armed nukes aimed at us. Aimed at us. So, I mean, that's just some of the stuff. Yeah. Well, this one night in particular, I was I was doing a, an evening shift. That's 11 until 7 in the morning. Right. I get a report that came across the computer that said that fighter jets had been scrambled on a unidentified flying object. So then a couple minutes later, another report comes in and says, fighter jets shot down unidentified flying object. Man, that's like dream come true kind of, <laughs> kind of report. I, listen, I was so excited. So I, run, I, I tear the paper off the printer. I take it over to my boss because it wasn't tagged with one of the code words. I didn't know where to, to file this. Right. Exactly. So 
I took it to my boss and I said, look at this. He looked at it, said, I'll be back in a minute. Gets up and goes out of the office. So I'm sitting there 10 minutes, just no one giddy, you yeah, know, no one. So then he comes back in the office. He didn't say a word. He walked over, asked me to get up. He sat down at my computer and he deleted mm -hmm. everything that had just come in. Then he turned to me and he said, what you saw was real. But as far as you're concerned, it never came across this computer, and you do not talk to anybody about this. Bullshit. And that was it. No. I was a, I was a buck sergeant in the Air Force. I I took orders. And, and you printed this off in triplicate and had one under your shoe, right? I wish. But <laughs> I, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, when he came back in the office, he did not have the, the paper print that I had printed out yeah. in hand. So his commander kept His, whoever he went and talked to. So, <laughs> shortly after that, going down the hall, just maybe two or three doors down from my office, there was a door, and the sign on the door said, Project Blue Book. Now you're lying to me. I'm not lying. <laughs> so, I thought... Hold on, man. Hold on. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I have a top secret code word clearance. My badge would not open that door. Now, like, uh, hold on, Tom, your clearance. Yes. So I already know this, but you were not allowed to wear your uniform out, right? Work, yeah, I, I didn't even wear a uniform to work. You had at NSA. You I were, wore civilian clothes. And you looked like a civilian. And I looked like a civilian. Earring, beard, whole nine yards. Whole nine yards. Only time I put a uniform on was when we had commander's call. Because you had sensitive information. Yes. So getting back to the Project Blue Book. Yeah. My card key card would not open that door at all. So I thought, you know, I'll knock on the door. I was carrying what we call burn bags <laughs> down to the basement to, to be disposed of right. in the furnace. So I said, you know, if they open the door, I'll ask if they had any burn bags they'd like me to take right. to the basement, see yeah. if I can get a glimpse. Yeah, so you can read through their stuff. No one ever came to the door. So <laughs> I wanted to get a look in there really bad. Of course. But I knew if I got busted trying to get in there, I mean, I mean, there were Marines with, with rifles walking down the hall, right. you know? Yeah. If you made it to court-martial, yeah. you would see a court-martial. So our floors, 
in NSA were false floors because like I said, I was a system, computer systems analyst. My office, those probably 50, 55 desks and they all had computers on them. There were tape punch machines and all kinds of stuff. And all the wires went down to the floor. Under the floor. So it turns out if you take one of the panels off the floor. <laughs> Just so happens. There's a three foot distance under there before you hit the, I guess, the ceiling of the floor down below you where all the cables were run. And seeing how <laughs> this Project Blue Book office was like a couple doors down, right? Quite often, my boss, who was a civilian on the night shift, would say, You know, it looks like a slow night. Can you handle it tonight? I'm going home. So I would be in charge. I would take over the systems officer duties. Right. And this night he did that. So after he left about an hour, <laughs> I decided to remove one of the panels back behind our tape machine, go in between the floors and crawl back there to where I figured Project Blue Book office was and see if I could come up through the floor. <laughs> so you're belly crawling, Mission Impossible. Oh, I'm crawling on my hands and knees. It's three foot high. Through cables. Yes. Trying to make your way down to Project Blue Book. Right. To come up through their floor. Right. And just hope to God nobody was in there on night shift. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was the plan. So, so I crawl. I, I, pic I pictured from where I was standing where that office was located. So I dropped down in there and I just kept going that direction. Right. Hoping, you know, eventually I'd... And I did. I went from our office where all the cables was out to the hallway because there was no cables run under the floor to the hallway. Nice. So I get to the hallway. <laughs> when I got to where... The Project Blue Book office was. The damn thing went, I guess, from the ceiling all the way to the second floor. It was a solid cube. There was no crawling under that and coming up through the floor. It was a solid cube. I guess they knew. <laughs> I started looking around for cameras under there, like, oh, oh yeah, man, man, I'm busted. So, there was just no way to access it. No, none. So if they had a computer problem, you would have to go into that office and fix it right there. Their, their cables, I guess, ran independent. Evidently. Well. Plus, it was steel. It wasn't a panel. Right. It was solid steel, because I hit it. But there's nothing to see, right? You know, there, there was nothing, there was no secrets. There was nothing to nothing to hide. I guess. That is, had to seal the, 
the subflooring of this place. Okay. So the next day I asked my boss about that, that office. I didn't mention the, the report that came through. Right. I said, uh, can you tell me a little about this Project Blue Book office? I said, who runs it? And are they ever there? And how do I work for them? <laughs> and his response was, that's totally a need to know basis. He said, and evidently they don't think I need to know because I don't know. He Sweet. said, I've never seen, he said, seriously, I've never seen anybody go in there. And I know I didn't. So why the hell did it have a door? I don't, right. I don't know. You think they had an elevator? Maybe that was an elevator shaft that lifted them into the room, into the office? NSA was probably three, four stories high, plus 11 stories underground. Underground. That's what I was going to say. Now, I, I thought that it was an underground kind of yeah. kind of thing. So you look at a three-story building, but it's a 15-story building. Yes. Well. Great place to work. I really enjoyed it. I guess so. Yeah, if I worked down the hall from Project Blue Book, I'd, I'd probably like that too. But it was stressful. I mean, my job pretty much wasn't that's stressful for me because as young as I was, but right. There were a lot of suicides that people from NSA were. I can see that. Well, at least they said they were suicides. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the other guys that tried to get into Project Blue Book. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was another thought I had. Yeah. Holy smokes. But that was that was just about it from the from the military side. Now, the report you saw. Yes. It said we shot down a UFO. The first report said that fighter jets had been scrambled on a UFO. Did it say, or do you remember where? No. I don't even remember if it was in the United States. Hmm. But then the second report said that fighter jets have engaged and shot down UFO. And it gave the coordinates. Did it say bodies were recovered? No. It it never mentioned if any ground forces had gone to the, the, to the coordinates. A recovery team. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, I got the info first. Right. When the info was reported, it was reported to me. And my job was to hand it off to whoever it needed to be. It needed to, to go to. And that's the only time you've ever seen anything like that. The the only time. But I'm sure it's not the only time that you got a report about something. Well, I'm in, sure that, that whoever was told to address these reports to somewhere else and not not to NSA. Right. Hmm. That might have went straight to Project Blue Book from there out. You know what? It very well could have. That might have been where he took it to. And that's true, too. And he could have lied and said he never saw anybody go in there. Because you don't need to know. They were, they were good at that at NSA. 
Man. That's what we're left with. That's it. I know what happened. You know what happened. Because you did not get prank reports. Right. I guess not. You know? Because every report that came across my desk was classified. From confidential to top secret code word. And this one was tagged top secret. But it didn't have the code word. Like, one of the code words was like gray ghost. Okay. One of the code words was blue, blue something. I don't even remember now. But gray ghost was navy. So when I was something coming in, you know, top secret gray ghost, I knew to give it to the Navy desk. And, and that's how I knew where to distribute things by the code word that was right. on Right. And this didn't have a code word. This did not have a code word on it. Hmm. Man. Okay. All right, we'll take that. Let's go to the next one. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to think of the things that you've told me about. Well, since we're on the topic of UFOs, the UFO that you and I saw. Yes. Yes. On the way back from Louisiana. Yes. I mentioned this in, I think, this, the third episode. I think it's the one it was. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about that. I'm pretty sure that, that we saw exactly the same thing. I didn't notice it as if it was a, a dot in the sky far away. My first recollection of it was like it winked into existence. It was just like, bam, there it was streaking across the sky right parallel with us. Yep. And then there was a flash of green fire. Yes. And I, it was like it vanished. Yeah, that, that's what I remember too. It was like a green light, a funky color green. It's not like a leafy green like we're looking at. Right. It was not a burnt copper green. It was a weird green. A weird green. And it flashed out and then what I remember, it might be different for you, but it's like that that green light just like sucked back in. Like it imploded into nothing. And then nothing was there at all. Well, I was driving, so I couldn't take my eyes off the road that long. <laughs> but, yeah, I saw it just the, the green flash, and it was gone. Yeah. And there was no dot in the sky, nothing, nothing way in the distance. I mean, it was like it went to a different... A parallel universe. Yes. And that was, if I remember right, if I get a day or two wrong, it's probably on the other tape or the other episode. But I think it was November 9th or 11th, somewhere through there, 2009. It was right after midnight, and it was in Arkadelphia. Yeah. And it was on the like Louisiana-Arkansas border. 
because I remember looking at a water tower right after that because I wanted to know where the hell we were at. Yeah. So I would not forget this time. Well, I remember, too, slowing way down and looking, thinking, did this thing hit the ground? Yeah. Look, see if I could see any kind of fire or light. Or, and it was nothing. There was nothing, man. Just that bright flash of green. And then it, it looked to me like it just went warp speed. You know, if that... Like it's gone plaid, like space balls. You know what I mean? You just get, it just filled the sky with that green right. light, and then just gone. Well, you know my favorite airplane is the SR-71. Yes. And they said that if it was flying straight at you, that it would be behind you <laughs> before you even got a good look at it. Right. So that was the fastest thing that I know of. But not vanish i mean this this vanished this this to me it appeared traveled i don't know how far it traveled because it was hauling ass sorry oh sorry and then just blink, blinked out now see i saw it come up past the passenger side window in my peripheral vision okay that's what got my attention because it you're it's midnight well we both at the about the same time, jumped up and said, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. But I was in the Air Force, too. I did structural maintenance. I worked on jets. Yes. I was around fighters on my deployment. I was around bombers for my job. I was around a couple of other specialty jets whenever we had air shows and stuff like that. I know what afterburners look like. Yeah. I know what colors they burn. I know what they look like at sunset, at, in the dark, in the middle of the day. I had never seen anything like that before in my life. Me either. Ever. And I've never seen anything like that since. And I wish it would happen tonight. But I don't think I'm that lucky. <sighs> you never know. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to share an account with us, or you'd just like to discuss a topic that fits into the show, email me at thebumppodcast at gmail.com. That's thebumppodcast at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of me on our Facebook page, which is Bump, and you can get a hold of me also on our Instagram account at The Bump Podcast. However you want to get a hold of me, I don't care. Uh, I'll get back in touch. So until next time, thanks again for listening, and don't stop believing.